I remember thinking, like, I must be going crazy. Like, I hadn't heard him in a long time. So I'm looking out the window, and there's this, like, flickering light. And um, there's this, like, street light, and it's flickering. And I'm like, if this is really you, God, let that light go out. And the entire electricity in the whole, like, blocks all around that, and, like, and that block, too. Like, the entire electricity goes out. And I'm like, okay, I'm listening. Welcome once again. So this is the second part, second half of the interview with my friend Anna Gaeta talking about how she liberated herself from this loveless marriage that she was trapped in and learned to find a connection with the divine once again and a connection that was very intuitive that helped to see a, a, some course of action that she could take in order to liberate herself and continue to improve as a person and to take, as, as I've mentioned many times, <laughs> there's a quote from Napoleon Hill where he says, the, <laughs> the adversity that you face contains within it the seed of an equal or greater advantage. And Anna demonstrates this through her story, explaining how the, the in some sense, well, I don't want to diminish this, but in some sense the, the, the depth of her suffering helped her build this foundation on which she could create something beautiful with her life. Remember to check out the website, beautifulpodcast.com you can check out the previous episodes subscribe on spotify apple itunes and other podcasting services check out the telegram group there's a link to it on the site there so you can join us and converse about these episodes if you have something to, to share about them and so the story we return to the story where anna is just coming to the realization after somehow being dissociated from her own story or from her own experiences for some time. And she's realizing that she really is in this marriage. This is a beautiful thought. And he kisses me and I, push him away because at that moment like it's like this image clicks and it's like like a fast forward of all these scenes in my head and it's like you know the wedding this the dress that, and it's like that's you and I push him away like and I like gasp and I'm like and I just like push him I'm like and at that second I realized this wedding this thing like this is your life like this is you right here right now like this guy like this is it and I'm just like I don't want this. I didn't want this. Like, how did this happen? Like, how did I let it get to this point? And, and he doesn't stop kissing me and he just pushes me against the bed and I'm crying and I, I'm like not even able to gasp air. And I'm just like, like in shock of everything that's going on. And he just forces me and keep in mind, I had been I, I was so innocent. I was never even allowed to watch a, a movie where there was a kissing scene. Like, my parents never kissed in front of us. Like, I have zero concept of, like, what's going on right now. <laughs> and 
this is like my quote unquote honeymoon. And, you know, he's forcing me. And I, as soon as I, you know, he finishes, I, I get him off me. I run into the restroom. I'm on the floor, bleeding, crying, screaming. And I'm like, what just happened? Like, this is my very first time. And this is like, I'm in shock, like all these things at once. And I'm just crying nonstop. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, what did I just get? Like, what what's going on? Like, what is this? And it doesn't stop there. Like, it's just like I was in so much pain and it's just a whole week of this. Like the next day he drives into like he I'm, I'm like trying to figure out how am I going to get out of this? Like in my head, it's like not even real yet. I'm like, this must be some sort of nightmare. Like I'm going to wake up from this. Like this is some nightmare. Like I'm going to wake up and I'm going to be in bed and all of this is going to be made up. Yeah. And, and I he drives to this like beach. And we're there for like a week. And all he does like that time is like, he just wants to be with me and and have sex with me. And obviously I don't want to, like, this is not something I want. Like, I don't even want to be with him. I, I Like he's forcing me and I'm like, I, I don't even have a way of processing this. And I, I try to like find my cell phone. It's gone. He doesn't let me talk to my parents. Like, I'm just like, I don't even know what's going on anymore. And I'm just like thinking, okay, like he, he has to come back to the city at some point. Like I'm going to have, I'm going to like get out of this, like somehow, some way. Right. Like I have to. And we, he comes back, we come back to the city and I try to leave. And then I real like, I try to run. And then I realize like this house is one of five houses in this gated community that is like locked with an electric gate. It's not somebody that lets you in and out. And he has the controls to everything. And I can't get out. Mm. And we like in the house, he, he, he has the only key. And so I'm locked in this house. There's also a, like an electric gate. And there's no internet. There's no, like, I don't have a phone. Like, there's like, I'm, I'm like this. This only happens in the movies. Like, this isn't real. Like, this cannot be happening. And he doesn't, he like leaves in the mornings to work and stuff, but he comes back at random times to check on me and, and to, you know, do things. And I'm just like, what's going on? I I lose track of time. Like at this point, I don't know if it's been a week or two or a month or, or how, like, I, I, I'm just so lost at that point. What, what did your parents or your grandparents, like, they they must've been worrying about you or thinking what? What no, not really, um, because it's very common, um, kind of like a cultural thing for like, you know, when they're married, you know, you give them space, you know, the first months and you don't visit them. And it's like, okay. you know, like, and then they were like, obviously, she's still in school and um, she's always busy. I was always busy. I was never really like you know, visiting my grandparents and stuff. They would see me at home because I would have to go eat and come back to school. But my life was literally always at school, always at sports. You know, they were just used to me always being busy, like me always being somewhere else. This wasn't uncommon for me. Even when I was by myself for a year in the U.S., I only called them like every two weeks once. It wasn't like I, it wasn't uncommon for me to not be there all the time. Okay, yeah. And I didn't really have friends at school or anything like that for anybody to even like know me or where I lived or anything. It wasn't nobody in the in Mexico knew me. Like all my friends were in the U.S. 
even uh, like uh, track mates or your fellow athletes and things? Um, it, yeah, but it, it was a season and every season, like people get uh -huh. cut. I see. Um, so it was just like, you know, every, like it was in that break. So this was in April in spring break. And usually in, you know, it, this happened in, in spring break. Um, so usually like people drop out in the vacations or they don't continue to make the team or they don't have enough grades to continue being in the team, um, things like that. And so I'm, I'm sure that that's just something they assumed. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. So what did you think of, like, this change in behavior from, we say we call him Miguel, right? Yeah. What, what did you think about his change in behavior? Like, you you must have just been in shock, I suppose. I was in shock, but I was like, I knew something was off. Like, at that, like <laughs> I, I was shock. like, I was in I, shock, I but I was like. by that point. But at that point, I was like, you know, like. I knew something didn't feel right. Like, but there was no way anybody was going to be able to tell this. Th there was just no way he kept such a good reputation outside. Like he had hmm. such an incredibly good reputation. There was no way anybody was going to believe me. And that's something he would always tell me too. Like you could tell anybody, you could call your parents right now and tell them everything. And then there's no way anybody's going to believe you. Hmm. And it was true. Like, They weren't going to believe me. He had built such a strong reputation. Well, himself. you know, may maybe they would have. But here's the thing. He's got you isolated there. And these are like brainwashing techniques. He's coming home at random times of the day to make sure that you have no sense of stability. Yeah. Or can have reasonable expectations about what he's going to do. So he's, he's deliberately using these techniques to play on your mind. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And and then it just continues to get worse because it was also deconstructing everything I was. It was also not allowing me to write. Like I I I always loved writing. Even as a kid, like I always knew I was going to be a writer. I I loved writing, I loved reading, and so I would always write stories or thoughts. I would have tons of notebooks and floppy disks with my stories and all these things, and he just destroyed them. He wow. he broke, like, I, I had stories that, since I was, like, in first grade and in fourth grade, I had won, like, prizes with these stories and stuff like that, and I they were completely destroyed. He broke them, and then he wouldn't let me write. Like, I wasn't allowed to write... Um, Even I wasn't a, allowed. A pen and paper. Yeah, like I'm even sorry, pen and paper. Like if he would like find that I, you know, like he would, you know, get super angry, like rip it, go crazy on me, um, hurt me. Like phys it, there was a lot, a lot of physical abuse, a lot of, um, you know, like he would choke me until I passed out, things like that. It was really bad. Like just for fun or what? No, or like, like anything would trigger him. Like anything, like. Like that, like if, if I found a paper or a pen and I started like writing and he would just get home and like, you know, and I was, he would be like, you're writing in English. Like, I don't understand what that is. And like, he would just like start choking me or, hmm. or I would be praying hmm. or I would be doing something that was like very characteristic of me. And hmm. he would just go crazy and attack me. Or if I said no, um, you know, if, if I in any way defined anything he said or, Hmm. Um, even seek your own identity. Exactly. So like trying, trying to have con so much control. In fact, that, you that can't was even know who you are. Exactly. In fact, that was one of the things that he first took away. Um, I wasn't allowed to choose my own clothes. I couldn't. Hmm. Um, he would choose 
what I could wear and what I couldn't wear. And it, it was wild. It would be like, you know, like, you can't wear that. Like, you can't wear this. Like, you have to wear, you know, like, he would just, I couldn't be me in any way. Like, he, it would, it would have to be whatever he wanted. Um, and nothing I did seemed to be like, you know, like, it would just trigger anything. Hmm. Um, so yeah, it was, it, it would just get really bad. I mean, eventually, like, if, if we would go out, like, I would have to go out with him. Like, um, I, I couldn't leave, like, I, he had to be, like, holding on to me. Like, I couldn't, like, step away. I couldn't look people in the eye. I could only look down. Um, if anybody, like, if we were anywhere and anybody looked at me, um, he wouldn't, he would come home and he would blame me and start screaming at me and telling me, like, oh, you wanna, you wanna be with that person? Like, you looked at them, you know, like, mm. extreme, extreme jealousy were, you know, or even if it was the other person trying to, you know, say good morning or good afternoon to us, mm-hmm. he would be like, you know, like you, you're inciting him. You like, you want something with like things like that, like just blaming me for all these like crazy stories in his head. Hmm. Um, what about at church? What was what was the experience there? So it was really crazy because he would make it seem like it was me that was super possessive and jealous. Like if, if I wanted to even like go to the restroom or like do anything, like he would like walk right behind me and be like, yes, sweetie, like you're calling me. Oh yes. You need me to help you. Like he would make it seem like I wanted him there all the time. And he would make it seem like it would, if anybody, you know, cause we have a, like, we have like a handshake and like, we usually like, um, say hello, like with, with a kiss and a handshake. Mm-hmm. Um, if anybody did that, like, he would never tell them anything. But, like, as soon as we would be home or in the car, like, he would hurt me or he would start screaming at me and be like, you want to be with that person? Like, even if it was, like, the, the ministers or, like, all, like, it was just insane, insane. Um, and I remember I tried, I tried to talk about this with, like, you know, one of the, you know, the church and stuff like that. I tried to say something and... Hmm. And they called us both in together. Obviously, like, you know, like, it, this, this isn't, like, till this day, this makes no sense to me. He, they called us in together and, you know, oh, is this true? Blah, blah, blah. Of course he was not going to say this is true. Of course he mm. was going to be like, oh, you know, like my, my poor wife, she's making this stuff up, blah, blah, blah. But, um, it just, it did, it wasn't, it was like pointless because they were just like, oh, you know, you have to forgive. Um, you know, like they, they really thought like I was probably exaggerating everything. And because of his reputation, I mean, he was this, you know, like I couldn't even really say much because he was right next to me. Obviously they weren't going to do anything. They weren't even, um, and, and in their eyes, it's like, you have to be like, once you're married, you're married together. Like no matter what, like you have to, you know, like that's forever. And so it was like, at the end of the day, I'm still going to have to go home with him. Like, well, how much can I say in front of him? Like, it was very, very wrong. Like the whole dynamic of that is just so wrong. Um, and so it was just like at the end, oh, you know, like it was just like, like, oh, try to be better. That's all they really told him. Like try to be better. And you, and like, you both have to like seek forgiveness, blah, 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 like things like that. And then like, yeah. And after that, I have to go home with him. And obviously he beat me horribly and it's like 10 times worse now. And like, it's even worse so like why would i even say anything anymore like it's it's like you feel trapped like it doesn't matter what he said was like at that point like it proved what he said right like nobody's ever gonna believe you nobody's you know like and and he would one of the worst things i think is that he would use the bible against me like like 
quoting verses like, oh, you know, when you're married, your body belongs to me and stuff like that. Like a lot of the things that the Bible says can be used in so many ways, like both for right and for wrong, depending on the interpretation you give it. Yes. Um, so he did know the scripture very well. Yes. He grew up in this church. Like he was mm. raised like he he was like. I mean, he was a youth group, like, you know, like leader. He was all these things. So he knew how to use this, you know, and everything and just like throw it in my face and stuff like that. And so mm. obviously throughout all of that inside of me, I was so angry at God. I was, I was like incredibly upset at God. I was, it was just so angry. And I remember thinking like, does he even exist? Like, how could a God that's supposed to be good allow this to happen to me? Like I've done, like all my life I've done things right. Like I've never done things wrong. Like that's what I thought. Like, you know, like all my life I was so obedient. I always try to do things right. Like I've never gone to a party. I've never drank. I've never done drugs. This isn't supposed to happen to me. Like in my head, in my limited thought, like I was like, you know, this, you know, I didn't know it at the time, but it was obviously rape. Like, everything that he was doing to me, it was like... Right. Um, you were so innocent, you didn't even know... I didn't really even... Like, I didn't even know what to call it. It was just like, this is horrible. I'm screaming. I'm crying. Even if I'm sick. Like, even if I'm sick and I have a fever. You know, like, e even if I'm sick and I have a fever and he doesn't care. Like, he just wants to do what he wants to do with me. And it's just like... And I didn't understand it. Like, what, like, how could, and in my head, it's like, how could people even want to get married? Like, and, you know, like, how could people even want this? Like, what, like, it doesn't click. Yeah. Um, and so I was like, it doesn't make sense. And so I was so angry at God. I was like, how could you do this? Like, let me ask you this. Why, why does the, the blame go to God rather than Miguel? Or, I mean, it goes to both of them, I suppose. Well, because obviously at this point, I hate Miguel. Like, I, I'm, I'm so full of rage and anger against him. So it just spills over. Yeah, it just spills over. And two, because as a kid growing up, God was my best friend. Hmm. Literally, as a kid, I would sit in the playground in kindergarten and just be like, hey, I'm talking to God, my best friend. I would have, like, these amazing conversations with him. And for the first time in my life, he wasn't there. Hmm. Like, I would call out to him. I would try to talk to him, and I couldn't hear him anymore. And I said, like, all my life, I had hurt him. Like, all my life, he had been there through every time that my dad would hurt my mom. Every time that every, like, I would go to the restroom, I would wrap myself up in a towel and I would be like, God hug me. And I could feel him hugging me, even in the hardest moments, even in the most difficult times in my life. Like, he had been there. And now that I'm going through this, I couldn't hear him. Like, he wasn't there. And I would, and that's why I was like, you left me. Like, why can't, you know, I'm crying out to you and I'm screaming to you and you're not here anymore. And um, so that's why I was like, are you even there? Like, is this, but then again, a part of me couldn't allow myself to doubt him because it was like, but I felt him. Like, I felt him as a kid hugging me when my dad was beating my mom. I felt him as a kid, like, loving me when I didn't know love anywhere else, like, I know that a part of me reminded me of like he's there, but then I didn't see it anymore. I didn't, I, I couldn't hear him. And then he started wanting me to get pregnant. Um, and he knew that was one of the things that I had always said, like, I don't want to have kids. I want to, I want to be able to, you know, do all these things and go to school. And I want to be able to maybe one day adopt. 
Like, that was my dream. Like, I was going to adopt someday. And he knew this, like, even before. Like, even all my friends knew this. Like, even as a group, like, I had talked about this. And he he didn't care. He was just like, you know. So I was like, okay, what am I going to do? Um, and at first, I didn't get pregnant. And he was so bad about that. And I was so happy internally. Like, so not happy, just glad that it wasn't happening. But eventually after two years i i got pregnant and and i just remember the night that i that i found out i was pregnant out i i was at this point keep in mind at this point i had tried to kill myself several times i didn't find a way out anymore like i just all i wanted was like i remember telling god like if you're not gonna take me out of this just take me home like i don't want to be here anymore like I can't stand this anymore I can't fight him anymore like I cannot put up with this I would beg him to leave me for one day and go with somebody else like mm. to have sex with somebody else just one day just leave me alone and I and it never happened um and I was like I just I tried to kill myself um I couldn't and then I found that I was pregnant and I remember that night I was devastated it was so hard for me to process um i remember like slowly like slipping out of the bed and going to this window and looking out the window like we were it was like second story or third story i'm not even sure and looking out and saying like where are you like where are you god like how could you let this happen like this isn't like this wasn't supposed to happen and this isn't this isn't something that i want like you know you hear all these stories of these people like being happy about having a kid and stuff this isn't me like i'm i'm angry and i'm upset and i don't want this and i said how could you have me here how could you do this to me and like for the first time in a long long time i heard his voice again and it was like i don't I don't want you there. And I remember thinking, like, I must be going crazy. Like, I hadn't heard him in a long time. So I'm looking at the window, and there's this, like, flickering light. And um, there's this, like, street light, and it's flickering. And I'm like, if this is really you, God, let that light go out. And the entire electricity in the whole, like, blocks all around that and like and that block too like the entire electricity goes out right and i'm like okay i'm listening i'm listening like i know this is you what does this voice sound like you know a lot of people have asked me that since i was a kid mm. and it's not like a it's it's not a voice like you can't tell it's a human or, or man it's just yeah like it, it's not audible like it's not sound it's it's not like just a thought it's like thoughts it's something very subtle yeah like it's it's just like it's so beautiful and yet so un, like undescribable because it's it's like this feeling mixed with a thought of just peace hmm. that's the only way I can describe it because, you know, somebody once asked me, like, is it, like, does it sound like a guy or a girl? And, like, neither. 
it's mm. it's neither like I, you can't you could not be able to say that in the sound of it mm-hmm. and so i i look up at the sky and i tell him then why why do you have me here mm. and he said i don't like i sometimes sometimes good people are and i'm i'm you know they're the casualties sometimes good people are the casualties of other people's bad choices mm-hmm. and now that I, i i hadn't thought about this but right now as i'm saying this i think about like why didn't he say bad people he said bad choices hmm. and so at that moment i was like what do you think get me out like what are you saying then if you don't want me here if you don't have me here then get me out because a part of me had thought like okay well if you created marriage and this is what it is then then why do you have me here because this is supposed to be forever and it was like no like he literally very much cleared that up for me that day he was like this isn't a marriage <laughs> and i think up until that point a great deal of what kept me there was thinking like oh my gosh like i married this guy and like this is what enslaves me here and it was also like a mental grip on like i have no choice anymore and it was like he very clearly took that away and said this isn't a marriage this is not what i made it to be and like that that assurance of it and i was like well then get me out like you know and and he said something that kind of shook me but i understand it now he said i'm not going to get you out the way you think and i was like why not you know like i was thinking you know you're your god you can just like send angels and like open the doors or like a swat team and just break in here and you know like that's what i wanted and he was like no that's not how this is going to happen you're going to get out but it's not going to be today and it's not going to be tomorrow and it might not be in a month or two or even a year but you're gonna get out if you jump through every window i open and run through every door i show you but i'm going to train you for that and i have to train you and you have to be willing to be trained and i was thinking like i can't do this like i cannot survive one more day here like i cannot do this anymore <laughs> like So you didn't feel any relief or hope at that. I was like <laughs> I was like you you're telling me I'm going to get out. I think there I felt hope. I just felt yeah. exhausted. I was okay. like okay, you're saying I'm going to get out but I can't get out tomorrow like or this instance like what? Um and I I think a big part of it was very much this phrase that I remember him saying. He said patience is more powerful than strength. Okay. And in that moment He was like I'm going to make you strong. Through your patience? <laughs> I'm not sure, but it was through a lot of things. I think I think I think it was through a lot of things and he said but you have to you have to be willing to let me train you and I I remember at that day that is the day that I I I said okay, train me. And it just it gets a lot harder before it gets easier, a lot. Hmm. Um but it is I think through that and like having that hope again that this isn't it this isn't the end like being able to see the light no matter how far it is 
there's something there that continues to give you like the strength to keep going. And so I had my daughter, but when I had my daughter, um, I had an emergency C-section. And so when they were cutting me open, they didn't put the epidural right. And so I did, I felt them cutting me open and I was screaming at them and they didn't believe me. And I pushed them off and I was like, they were like, move your legs. And I could move them and they're like, and then they checked and the, like the needle hadn't gone through. And so, um, he was there, he was inside the, the, the room. He, he yanked out like the, the, what is it called? That little thing that they used to cut open. I know the name in Spanish, bisturi. Scalpel. 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 <laughs> um, and so they, he yanked it out and they stopped and they looked and they saw that like I, I didn't properly have the anesthesia. And so because of that, I obviously moved when they did that. And it, um, they got some of my nerves. Like, and so I wasn't able to walk for around six months. And I didn't know if I was going to ever be able to walk. But thanks to that. And so I was like, I was like, really, God, really? Like, on top of everything, this? And, but, but thanks to that, he had to get someone to help me in the house with, with my daughter and with everything and to get up and things like that. And so this girl, um, I became very, I became very good friends with her. And she was kind of scared of him too, but she started helping me. She started helping me, like, you know, lending me her phone. I was able to contact, um, I was able to contact one of my friends in the US and I didn't really tell him everything. I just said, look, I need a lawyer. I need to find this and that. And, you know, he, um, we had been friends since we were kids. I didn't really need to give him any explanations or anything. Um, I I started to um, also like she helped me get a bank account open. I I started doing like um, I I started writing again. Mm. Um, so when he would you know she would let me know like he's coming and stuff like that, and we would like try and she like she would help me out a lot like or she would you know turn on the shower and like be like oh she's in the shower right now or things like that mm. and <laughs> you know like if he called her and things like and and she I, I started um doing some some like freelance writing and stuff like that again and everything they paid they would go to the account she helped me get um so i started saving and eventually i i was able to talk to a lawyer but every lawyer here told me the same thing they were like look he has influence and he has money so you don't have any of that you're gonna end up dead or we're gonna end up in trouble we can't really help you. So he had influence not just within the church, but also... Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, politics and stuff like that. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, I mean, I had tried calling the police and they would show up and have dinner with him. Like, it was... It, I, I literally never thought I was going to make it out alive of that. Hmm. I, I thought, like, the next time he hurts me, I won't even wake up. Hmm. Um, And so... Uh, so I have finally, um, talked to this lawyer who said, look, I can't help you myself, but I'm going to give you advice. Okay. Don't tell any more lawyers anything that you're going through. Do not tell them your story. Do not say anything. 
just tell them that you want a mutually agreed divorce. If you can get him to, you know, if you can get a lawyer to just take the process for you and think that it's a mutual agreement and it's a simple thing, it will be a lot easier. Otherwise, you're never going to get out of there. And but then how, how does that work? <laughs> of course, you, te- you tell him that and then he talks to your husband. and then So like- she was like, what you're going to have to do is if you want to get out, you have to find a way to convince him to want to give you a divorce. That's uh-huh. the only way you're going to get out. I see. He's like, you're smart enough to have gotten this far. You can do this part two. Just find a way to get him to want you a divorce, to hmm. give you a divorce. And I was like, are you crazy? Do you not think I've tried this since like day one? He's not letting me go. He like, at this point, I feel like I'm some sort of like, you know, I'm not a person to him anymore. I'm a thing. Um, hmm. He's not going to let go of that. And so, so I... I started, you know, talking to God about it. I'm like, okay, you said that, you know, like, I guess this is the next stage in the training. Help me find a way to get him to want to give me a divorce. And I feel like there's always gifts that God gives out of grief. When there's grief, he can give you gifts out of that. I was Mm -hmm. not a very observative person before this. I was not a very strategic person before any of this. And I Mm -hmm. became that. Um. So I, I started to notice things and I started to realize like, what is the one thing he wants more than having me here? Okay. And I was like, what is the one thing he cherishes more than, you know, all of this? And I realized his reputation. Hmm. That's the one thing he would do anything to protect more than like wanting to have me here. And so I pretty much had to make a choice. I'm going to either that die trying to get my freedom (sighs) or I'm going to continue to quote unquote survive. But eventually I felt like I was already dead. Like I wasn't even alive anymore. This was not a life. And so I, I got up the courage to talk to him one day and say, Hey, like I have proof of everything you've done to me, even though I didn't really. (laughs) Um, And I said, I have proof of everything you've done to me. And if you don't give me the divorce, I, and whatever happens, you can kill me. Like you can do whatever you want. Like that proof is going to come out Hmm. or you give me the divorce. We can mutually agree to it. And I will not ask you for absolutely anything except to let me see my daughter. That's Mm. all I will ask you for. I will never ask you for anything but to let me see her. You can even decide when you want to let me see her. Like, that's all I'm going to ask for. And on top of that, you can tell everybody and anybody anything you want about me. And I won't negate it. Like Anything you want about me. Even my family. Hmm. And I, I won't say contrary. Like, I knew he cared more about his reputation. I could care less about my reputation. All I wanted was my freedom. And he agreed to that. He said, okay, anything I want. Yeah, say anything you want about me. Why why did you care so much about your freedom? Maybe this is a silly question, but (laughs) I think there's something there. No, I know there is something there. I, I think that most people would have just learned to find a way to be okay in that situation because it was a cage, but it was still a golden cage. Hmm. 
Like I, I still, you know, if I wanted that, there were like, there were good things that I guess you could find in that. Like if I wanted a chocolate cake at 1am, he would make it happen. If I wanted like certain things like that, like he was just like, I, I didn't need anything financially. Like, you know, wow. things, shoes, like obviously he picked out everything, but if I wanted certain things, like, you know, I think somebody else could have gotten used to, or, yeah. you know, just accepted the situation. I couldn't. Yeah. I think as a kid, I always knew I wanted my freedom. That was something I, I always, I, I remember like thinking that my mom never had freedom and that like, I didn't want to end up like her, I guess. Hmm. And I always remember thinking, you know, like, I'm not going to be that. Like, I always knew I want to, I don't even want to be in one place. Like I want to travel the world. I want to do things. Like I, I, I think I know that one of my core values is freedom. Like for me, that is an absolute non-negotiable. And it was something I was willing to die for. Um, and so I knew that for him, that was his reputation. Yes. That was his Achilles heel. Yeah. Yeah. So what did he say? He said, okay. And then... Just like that? No, he said, but... But you cannot leave the house until the last document or you, you cannot like, you know, not leave, but I can still pretty much do whatever I want with you until you have the last document. Um, and you can, you, you know, like I get a say in when you see my daughter and I get to keep her and stuff like that. And he put like, and you, you can never tell anybody anything that I did to you. Hmm. And, um, you know, things like that. And I was like, okay. <laughs> is it, is it, well, maybe we get it later, but it's kind of, uh, you know, we're doing this interview now. <laughs> yes, exactly. No, but see, here's the thing. This was, this was four years ago and you have no idea the kind of things that have happened after everything. Like, mm-hmm. wow, it's, it's been an entire journey. Right. I mean, today, like he's somebody that like, he highly respects me. Yeah. Um, but we're, we'll get into that. Later. Yeah. So, so what? Um, what happened in those last months in the marriage, or not marriage? So, I pretty much would have to agree to anything he said, um, to get him to to just keep going towards the next signature. I didn't debate anything um, mm. at all. Like nothing. I, I didn't. I was like, you can keep everything. You can take every like anything. I would just say yes to everything. Just everything he asked for, everything he wanted. It was just, yes, just, you know, all I wanted was the next signature. There's three signatures that you need to, to get a, the, like a finalized divorce. And everything was just like, you know, yes, like whatever you want. Like I'm not, you know, arguing anything, fighting anything. He started telling people that we were getting a divorce because I had cheated on him and I had been like unfaithful and I had done all these horrible things. And mm-hmm. I, I didn't say otherwise. I just didn't say anything. Like if people asked and stuff, I just wouldn't respond. I just, you know, I, I let people think whatever they wanted to think. And yeah. if they were believing him, I felt like they're doing me a favor. Like they're, they're showing me who, you know, they think I am. That's, that's okay. <laughs> but when, when you made this bluff, like you told him that you had all this proof and, and he just believed you, he just went along with it or what, like what convinced him? 
I think a lot of it was that I had tried to. He had seen. He had caught me trying to get proof before. Uh-huh. Like, and I thought like, and so at some points he had let me have a cell phone that only he could track and call and stuff like that. And I had like mm-hmm. taken pictures of like my bruises or recorded him or things like that before. I see. But every time he would find a way, like he would, he had a way of tracking all the phones that he would give me and stuff. He would break them. Like he would, you know, like right. destroy them and stuff. But so because ultimately it was so, so insecure. He had yeah. that doubt. So he exactly. Exactly. It was like, you know, he had seen me try to do that before so many times. And he had, you know, I, I had, so he, he obviously thought like she must have a, like been able to send something to someone or something from all these times. Yes. And he knew it was true. So, I mean, there was no reason, you know, for him to be like, oh, she doesn't have crew because it was true. It had happened. Yeah. Um, and so finally, you know, the last, the day that we got the last, signature it was the happiest day of my life like I, I like literally when people ask me you know like a lot of people are, oh i don't know i can't pick one day oh i can definitely pick one day it was it was the day that i got freedom day yes the day that you know the lawyer called me and said last paper is signed the sentence is completed you have like the divorce is ready for you to pick up you're a free woman wow i said I cried. I, I was like, this is the happiest <laughs> day of my life. Like, I, could, I don't remember ever being more overjoyed. I couldn't believe it. Like, I could not believe it. It was surreal to me. I remember going to pick up that, like, paper, looking at it, like, hugging it, and running straight back to college that day. Like, I literally ran all the way back to the college just hang up with him. Yeah. Yeah, that was... Wow. Oh, yeah. And, and obviously there was a whole journey after that because um it didn't just end there. Like he continued, like he would let me see my daughter, but then he would go pick her up and try to force me again or push me or, or hurt me. Or I went back to school and um he, he would harass my classmates. He would follow, you know, like if I, if I had to do a group project, he would like end up, you know, following me or things like that. One time a, a teacher called me and said like, Hey, be careful. Cause somebody just called the school and you know, like they're asking about you and your, your like class schedule and all these things. And, you know, it was just a whole thing after that, but it was different. It was like, I knew I could go back to that drawer, open it and look at that paper that said I was free. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and it was, it was, it was a lot of things because of the fact that it wasn't just going back to school. There was there was a period of me like getting re-enrolled and like throughout the process of taking the exam and getting admitted again. Mm-hmm. And throughout all of that, it was learning to even be myself again and learning to be able to be in the outside world, like in the real quote unquote world again, like looking people in the eye. Um, you are almost institutionalized. Yeah, yeah. It was literally like everything. Looking at somebody in the eye, it was hard. Like having somebody behind me ask me for a pencil, I would shake and I would be like, I can't talk to a guy. Like he's going to hurt me. And it would be like, no, like he's not physically there anymore. Like it's just my head, like, you know, shaking that he's going to hit me or he's going to do something or wow. um, or saying good morning to somebody and like being afraid that he's going to, you know, start screaming at me, telling me that I want to sleep with them or whatever, you know? Um, so how do you get over that? Just just exposure, like gradually? Or is there more to it? So when God said he was going to train me, he trained me. Like, it was a lot of training. Um, 
One of the things that I feel like God had me do before I left was learn to be present again. Hmm. Um, because of the way things had happened, I had taught myself to not be present, especially when he would write me. Um, right. I had taught myself to imme- like to not be mentally or emotionally there. Yes. Even if I was physically there. Well, even like you mentioned the months leading up to the marriage. Exactly. It was, it was. And so ceremony. in that, I remember one time God said like, no, no, don't leave. Like stay, stay mm-hmm. present and look at him. Watch him do what he's doing and look him in the eye. And that was one of the hardest thing I think I've ever had to do because I didn't want to. And I was like, no, God, like I'm, this is the only way I can tolerate it. But being there and looking at him and seeing him do this, I saw what was really happening. I was able to see in him the rage and the anger and this insane just hate. And I realized it isn't the person doing this. It's all this hate and all this anger gathered up inside him. Hmm. It's not even him enjoying any of this. It's this immense rage and hate that he has no way of letting out except to impose it on somebody else. And this is exactly what he's trying to do to me. And this is why I hate him so much and why I'm so angry against him because this is what he wants to transmit because this is how it propagates and this is how it continues to spread. And I realized like, I can't let this feeling. And I remembered my mom's words. You can't make somebody make you angry. It's Hmm. a choice. Hmm. And I remember after that day, I was like, I have to choose not to be angry at him. Even Hmm. if I couldn't, even if it was so hard, I was like, I have to choose because that's the only place I'm going to have power. Like that's where the power comes from. Him doing this to me is this hate and anger and rage just overwhelmingly spreading from him into others because he cannot contain it himself. Hmm. Because there's so much there. I mean, I cannot imagine what he has gone through or could have possibly that made him have that. Like, there must be so much inside of him that he has no other way of releasing than to continue to spread this into someone. And if I allow this to continue happening, if I continue to hold on to this hate and anger and rage that I have towards him, I don't, I won't just do this to him. I'm going to do this outside of this. When I, like, maybe it's good that I'm not outside of this and I'm not doing this to somebody else right now. Hmm. I have to, and, and that's where God was like, I have to train you. I can't just let you out into the world like this. That, that This has to be out of you before, or else you're going to continue to spread this. And it was understanding that and seeing that that's how like rage and hate and anger spreads because it's so easy. It's so easy to take pain and turn it into resentment and hate. But yes, so and uh turn it into a vicious cycle exactly and it was like god saying no your pain is gonna have purpose Hmm. it's not gonna have that but you have to be willing to do the hard work to do that right well yeah i I say often that presence has that power like to to dispel these adverse emotions when (laughs) when you can 
maintain it. And so, so many people have told me, like, just sit, sit with the emotion. <laughs> yes, it's so hard. Uh, it, yes, it, it destroys in your, in your you. case, even even more than others. It's <laughs> yeah, it, and uh, people have told me some some you know brutal yeah. stories. Yeah, it, it's very hard, but it it helps. It does because if you're able to do that, you're able to be present and you're able to like acknowledge that. So after that, it. You know, after you do a lot of hard training, it gets easier. And so going out into the world and, you know, acknowledging that I couldn't look at someone in the eye, but being present with myself enough to be like, you can't, but you can look a little higher mm-hmm. and then a little more and eventually look at them in the eye and be okay and walk and, you know, like take it one step, one day at a time, like little things, wow. little things every day. Just don't stop. <laughs> don't stop. Like... Because if you stop, you're going to get comfortable. So force yourself. I, I force myself to enroll into like a CrossFit gym mm. and and show up and be okay with people seeing me in a tank top. Be okay with like dressing like how I wanted to myself again. Be okay with, you know, things that wouldn't feel counterintuitive now because of everything I had gone through. It was like, no, is this really, is this what you want? Or is this mm. something you're just not doing because you're, because of something that he hindered you from like, and choosing that and learning to be like, this is me. This is not me. This is something I would do. And, and re refining yourself in an improved version, like, you know, the next version of myself that is still me. Right. Well, that, that's very interesting because I think a lot of people, if they've gone through an adverse experience like this, they would let it define them or they would, in a sense, they choose to let it, to find them what do you think uh, i i mean i guess your strong <laughs> like your strong connection with god gives it gives you that yeah uh that courage to to keep going what else um no i i yeah yeah i definitely think it's it's that there's a lot of strength there you know like i what my favorite verse as a kid growing up was uh, Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And it was just like that repeat repetition of that alone. Like I can do him. Yeah. Um, if he, and, and a lot of it was going through the hard parts and thinking, okay, if, if Christ was able to put up with that immense pain for somebody else, like I can put up with the pain for a purpose. Like there is purpose mm-hmm. in what I'm doing. There is purpose in like, this isn't just for me. This is now for my daughter. This is now for like, she will not grow up like I did seeing somebody treat them that way she's not going to grow up seeing somebody else to find them she's not you know and 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 every day like i i didn't have money at the time to get a therapist or a psychologist but i would show up every day like climbing to the roof of the place that i was renting and being up there looking at the stars and being okay god like let's do this what's today's session and every day he would bring me something else i would just show up in the roof and be like okay god what are we working on today what what is it that we have to like go through today and it was just countless exercises that he would bring to me not just directly sometimes but sometimes indirectly by like the next day i would hear um you know a, a podcast or something or you know i would see read a book of you know something that like had an exercise and i was like okay this is like it was discerning to which ones were for me and which ones were not but i think that's where like god came into the picture it was like okay no this is what you need um a you lot had of, that feeling when yeah you like I had a feeling and a lot of people have, you know, have had to, that I've talked to a lot of people that have gone through similar, you know, situations and traumatic experiences like PTSD and stuff. And they've had to go through like medication and stuff like that. But I think throughout my life, God had been training me for a lot of things. And one of them was, I've always loved 
nutrition and sports and all of that. And I would take like nutritional courses like online through colleges since I was like in eighth grade and stuff. And I, I pretty much could tell like what my body needed. Like if, again, going back to the being present is a great part of it. Like if I would wake up just being super depressed, like thinking like I can't get through today, like this is really hard and stuff like that. It would be like, you know, talking to God about it and him being like, okay, well, what do you feel you need? Like, and you'd be like, okay, maybe vitamin D, maybe this, okay, go out like in the sun, like little things that I could feel like, okay, my body needs this. And it does, it doesn't need this drug. It doesn't need this thing. It, like it needs specific things like in its nourishment, it needs better quality food. It needs, you know, and something else I remember God telling me was, you know, that body is also part of the training. Mm-hmm. you've always done sports and stuff, but you know, your body replenishes itself and the cells that you have seven years ago are not the same cells that you have now mm-hmm. in seven years, that body's not going to be the same body he touched. It's going to be a completely new body. Like you have to make sure that it's quality, like whatever it is, it's, <laughs> it's, it's you choose who you want to be. Like, it's not going to be that, you know, he didn't have this. You like he had another version of you. Um, and it was, it was a lot of stuff like that. And then just learning to forgive myself, learning to forgive my family, then really facing the question of, you know, like one day God told me, um, okay, he took five years. How many more are you going to give him? And I was like, well, what do you mean? And it was very much like, if you don't forgive, there's still, like, he's still taking that from you. Like, there's still a part of you that he has. Yes. So, well, this is an interesting question about forgiveness because a, a lot of people would would say like no <laughs> forget that guy like don't don't forgive him hold on to that or or you know some something like that like that guy's terrible or what whatever uh or some people would even say well you don't have to forgive just accept it or so like or just leave it in the past or something like that but you you absolutely like you made the decision to forgive him no and i think that's where a lot of people sadly um, fall short of their full potential. Hmm. When you don't forgive, you are hurting yourself so much. Hmm. And no matter how insane the pain or how intentional the harm someone has caused you, Hmm. you have to forgive if you want to be free. Hmm. And because for me, freedom was so important I knew it's not a question of whether I want or not. This is something I have to do. I just have to do it genuinely because in my head, I was like, well, I forgave him. Like, you know, like <laughs> it's easy to say I forgive someone. And I'm like, you know, I, and a lot of people, you know, I forgive him, but I'm never going to forget what he did. Like, yes, um, sure. <laughs> you can hear in the voice you, they didn't. <laughs> yes, exactly. And you can tell. And I remember, you know, God being like, okay, can you genuinely wish him the absolute best Hmm. and want him to have this incredible, amazing life and pray for that for him. And I was like, uh, no, (laughs) no, I'm still, no, not yet. And and that's when he was like, then you, we got to work on this. We really have to work on this because in order to be free, there cannot be any more of that poisons inside of you. And and that was what I saw that day when I was present while he was doing that. It's poison. It mm. really is that. It's it's this poison that people don't let go of. And if it's still in you, you cannot feel good for the other person. And I was like, 
I'm not the only one that has had to do this. I mean, I know countless persons that have had to forgive much, much worse things. I mean, persons that have had to forgive their brothers from raping them, that have to forgive, you know, like... I know of stories of so many people that, you know, generally forgive people that did insane amount of harm to them for years. And they can genuinely look at this person and wish them all the best now. And that's true freedom. I, I was like, that is real freedom. <laughs> like, I want that kind of freedom. <laughs> uh, you know, not not being controlled by this emotion of, of hate. And, and that's what I realized my mom had. That I was judging her for having all this time, but she could genuinely love someone so much despite everything they would do to her every day. And of course, there's a difference. I, I realize now, and it's something that I've talked about with her, like you have to set boundaries yes. because there's a difference between forgiveness and being a martyr. Like there's a huge mm. difference. And a lot of people confuse the two. I can, I worked on it a lot. I can forgive him. I can generally tell you I wish them the best. I, I can seriously, you know, I, I was, I'm able to like, you know, you know, if I, if I can help him out in any way, I do. If I can, you know, I, I, I want the best for him. I prayed for him. I prayed for his current girlfriend. Um, he, he acts very differently. I have an amazing relationship with her. Um, she treats my daughter right. I, it's, it's a completely new story now, but it all starts with forgiveness. Like you cannot let just getting out be the end. There is so much more than just getting to the light. There's the work that you have to do after that. Hmm. So when that, when those seven years are up, do you think you will be someone else? I know I am already, and it's going to be like an even better version. Like, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, definitely. Definitely. I don't think he can even recognize me at this point um, in in many ways. And, you know, I recently just had a conversation with him and and I told him, look, for for our daughter, she loves you. She doesn't know like she be, you know, like I I think there's so much blessing in her not having you know, been old enough to see a lot of the things hmm. because she can, you have a chance to show her who you really want her to see hmm. because of the fact that I was able to, you know, leave and stuff like that. She didn't get to see this version of you and that I got to see in my dad's heart a lot of, a long time. She, you can choose to be the version that you want her to see and I, I don't talk to her badly about anything. Like whenever she has questions, I will respond to her directly, but I will not like ever. That's something I, I always um, try to do. Like she doesn't have to know uh, things that she doesn't have to know my version of the story. Hmm. Maybe one day she'll understand it and she will see it, but she has to build her own first. Like she has to build. He has the ability and, and I give him the freedom to show her the version of him that she he wants her to see and to build up the man he wants her to hold as the standard of her dad and i can definitely say he is a good dad like he tries his best you know he, to be present to you know dedicate time to her all the time and i one of the things i found out later was one of his neighbors had told me that um when she saw my daughter she was like wow that's exactly the same 
little girl he described as we when we were kids she's like when we were kids he was so obsessed in playing house and he had his life planned out and he knew that at this age he was gonna have this little girl and he was like your daughter's exactly how he described this little girl and i was like yeah like you know we all have our plans and we make choices <laughs> to get them like and i guess at all costs, some people like you know and i realized at that moment wow that's crazy and you know later i found out that he had gone through like very severe traumas like abuse his right. dad had you know gone through like a lot of things like a, you know just so many things and i i realized it's true like there's so much to a person that you cannot understand until you you know when until you start the process of forgiving and you can see pain that they cost you is pain that they have they don't need to be, you don't need, you know, it's, we think so many times people are like, oh, you know, I want to get revenge for what, you know, the pain there is so much greater already because of the pain that, you know, it can cause as much pain as it did if it wasn't already there. Right. And so that's something I definitely was able to, to understand and see. And, and I told him I, and that this recent conversation I had with him was that like, I, he knows I told him I had forgiven him, uh, uh, like three years ago. And, um, I, I told him recently, you know what? Like, I, I really do hope that you're able to forgive yourself because I cannot even begin to imagine the guilt and shame that you carry by not even being able to acknowledge what you've done because I know it's there. I know there's a reason that, you know, he's doesn't go to church anymore. He's got, stopped doing a lot of things. Like he's, you know, and, and I told him, you know, like you, I, God loves you. Like he genuinely loves you. And I forgave you and he did too, but you need to forgive yourself. And there's a huge step in that. And like the first step in that is admitting what you did as much as it hurts. Right. And you don't need to admit it to me or to anybody, just acknowledge it. And I don't need to hear it, but I want you to live a good life that allows my daughter to see her dad as someone that she can look up to and, and see like, you know, love in you, mm. not this hate and rage and anger that you may still be carrying. Do you think there's a way to warn your daughter without telling her what happened? Or like, how, how would you? She, she that? was very yeah. small. She was like two or three. Um, but she remembers little things. She remember, she remembers things from after. She, for example, remembers something she brings, she asks me about a lot is, um, one time that he was picking her up. He thought she was asleep and he, I, he pushed me in the stairs and I hit my head and he tried to like, um, grab me and she woke up and she saw from upstairs like him pushing me on the floor mm. and she started screaming and she remembers little things like that that she asks me about and I and and I tell her the truth I'm like yes you know your dad made very very bad choices because when someone doesn't have God's love in them they don't know how to control all the rage and anger and you know and that's something i work with her a lot like you know acknowledge mm -hmm. your emotions don't you you can acknowledge it and then choose willingly what you want to do with that emotion don't let the emotion choose for you and so i tell her like you know when someone doesn't have genuine love in them 
and and the way I explain it is like I got her up toothpaste and I was like squeeze the toothpaste like what comes out you know toothpaste squeeze this like what comes out that's what's gonna come out if somebody has all this hate and like that's what's gonna come out so when your dad did these things like what was coming out what was inside of him in that moment like so if you choose love always choose love because that's what's gonna come out he didn't choose that he chose what was inside of him because he didn't have anything else inside of him to choose from he had rage he had anger and he had pain and all these things so when you that's all you have inside of you and that's all you can choose from what's going to come out that so i'm like that's why you have to fill yourself up with love that's why you have to fill yourself up with goodness with great you know gratitude like these are the things you have to fill yourself up because when it gets hard and when you get angry and when you get like this what's going to come out is what's there well, the, the other side of it is like something that maybe you, you lacked in the early part of your story was discernment, like being able to trust your instincts. Exactly. Rec- recognizing the, the warning signals. Oh, no. And that's something I can definitely like if, if you could, if I could say something I definitely learned from that was that like it was one of the most important lessons I had was don't listen to the voices. Listen to the feelings too Hmm. you know like there are so many voices out there and no matter how much they care for you they don't know what's best for you all the time you know like it could be you know they they can genuinely wish you the best but they cannot you know other people don't know what's best for you right like with your grandparents exactly they wanted they wanted to protect you they wanted you to be well but they didn't know how exactly exactly and that's that's exactly it. Like they want the best for you and they think they're doing the best, but their view, our view as humans is still limited. We can try and work on, you know, seeing far past things and stuff like that, but we cannot like be a hundred percent certain that in, you know, 10 years from now, this and this other thing is going to play this role and this, and we can't see that far out. That's why we have to, that's why I feel we have to trust God so much and listen to him because he can see far past what we can see. Hmm. And I do feel that that was God telling me like, hey, something's wrong, something's off. But we can also choose to ignore that voice inside of us. That, you know, that that discernment inside that says, hey, you know, like I'm trying to talk to you, but if you're not willing to listen, I can't really say much. And if you're listening more to the voices outside of you, which is, you know, your family, your friends and stuff like that, which should, you know, if, if you know, play an important role and sometimes that, but that's not the ultimate you know, decision maker. There's something inside of you that already knows what is best for you. And there's something, you know, and, and that part of the instinct is also got, you know, nudge to, hey, look at this, turn and look at that. Things that you may not naturally look at, things that you may not even be aware that you can look at. And he's usually trying to say something about that. Like, if it doesn't feel right, it's because it isn't. Okay, I think I need to think about that. <laughs> Something personal. Uh, <laughs> but uh, let me ask you this. Forgive me if this, I don't know if this question is in poor taste. But ha- having gone through all of this, are you grateful for the experience? Yeah, I, I honestly, I can say now that I am. Yeah. I, I am. I don't think I would be the woman that I am today had that not happened. I'm sure, I don't think I would have a bad life. Hmm. I just don't think it would be as great as it's going to be now. Yeah. I think there's so much power in pain that, you you know, and purpose that can come out of this. And like I said, God 
gives you gr gifts out of grief. You just have to know how to unwrap them. Mm. Yeah. Thanks, Anna. Thank you. So, so, <laughs> is there anything else you want to say? <sighs> choose love. <laughs> like, choose love, choose forgiveness, even when it, even when it goes against everything you want to do. That's always there. Like, you know, it, it's not going to be easy, but it's going to be worth it. And don't give up hope. Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> A beautiful thought. Thanks for listening. So there was something I mentioned in the interview there, some, something personal that I had to think about in regards to intuition or certain feelings that I was experiencing. I won't go into too much detail out of respect for the people involved, but I will say Anna gave me some more advice after the, the interview or I asked her for her perspective on something. And she said it's it's very important a lot of the time, especially for me, um, I'm a very analytical person in some respects. And so if I have a feeling, an intuition, then I want to try to understand the whole situation because I think, well, I know I have this skill at analysis so I can normally figure out what is going on by looking at the evidence and trying to piece it all together. But of course, sometimes our judgment in that sense or our discernment can be clouded by the emotions when we're too close to a situation. We can't always see things clearly. And Anna's tip was to trust the intuition, even if we don't understand entirely what's going on. What she also said to me, of course, you have to look at the emotion <laughs> and see what's really there, because some, sometimes you might be picking up on somebody else's emotion, like an em empathetic response or mirror response. You're actually feeling something that belongs to somebody else or... There's fear involved or, or whatever it is, things covering up your intuition. So if you can work through those things, then then you'll find what <laughs> what the pure motivations or the pure intuitions are in that situation. And then you can act on them. So thanks for listening. Remember to check out the, the website, beautifulpodcast.com. And I hope you... Listen to your intuition carefully, <laughs> listening for that still, small voice. And have a great day.
Oh, 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 oh,